Okay, I'll, I'll intro us. So, we're in Uncle Bob's Pancake House. It's the morning. Eight men are dressed in black suits sitting around the table at a breakfast cafe. They are Mr. White, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Orange, Mr. Brown, Nice Guy Eddie Cabot, and the Big Boss Joe Cabot. Most are finished eating and enjoying coffee and conversation. Joe flips through a small address book. Mr. Pink is telling a long and involved story about Madonna. Like a virgin is all about a girl who digs a guy with a big dick. The whole song is a metaphor for a, for big dicks. No, it's not. It's about a girl who is very vulnerable and she's been fucked over a few times. Then she meets some guy who's really sensitive. Whoa, whoa, time out. Green Bay, tell that bullshit to the tourists. Toby? Who the fuck is Toby? Toby, Toby. Think, think, think. It's not, uh, it's not about a nice girl who meets a sensitive boy. Now, grant, now, granted, that's a true blue, or what the fuck? <laughs> it's not about a nice girl who meets a sensitive boy. Now, granted, that's what true blue is about. No argument, argument about that. Which one is true blue? I guess I'll be nice, Kaiety. You don't remember True Blue? That was a big-ass hit for Madonna. Shit, I don't even follow this Tops and Pops shit. All I've, uh, I've at least heard of True Blue. Look, asshole, I didn't say I ain't heard of it. All I said was, how does it go? Excuse me for not being the world's biggest Madonna fan. I hate Madonna. I like her early stuff. You know, Lucky Star, Borderline. But once she got into her Papa Don't Preach phase, I don't know, I tuned out. Hey, fuck all that. I'm making a point here. You're gonna make me lose my train of thought. Oh, fuck. Toby's that little China girl. What's that? I found this old address book at a jacket I ain't worn in a coon's age. To Toby, what? What the fuck was her last name? Where was I? You said True Blue was about a nice girl who finds a sensitive fella, but Like a Virgin was a metaphor for big dicks. Oh, let me tell you what. Like a Virgin is about... It's about some coos who's a regular fuck machine. I mean, all the time, morning, day, night, afternoon, dick, 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 dick. How many dicks was that? A lot. Then, one day, she meets John Holmes, motherfucker, and it's like, whoa, baby. This motherfucker's like Charles Bronson in The Great Escape. He's digging tunnels. Now she's getting this serious dick action. She's feeling something she ain't felt since forever. Pain. Chew? Toby Chew? No. It hurts. It hurts her. It shouldn't hurt her. Her pussy should be bubble yum by now. But when this cat fucks her, but when this cat fucks her, it hurts. It hurts like the first time. The pain is reminding her, uh, is reminding a fuck machine what it was like to be a virgin. Hence, like a virgin. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> I have not heard that in a long time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, dude, for some reason, Riley, like, sent me, when we did our podcast, he sent me, um, a, like, that script, and then he also sent me Clockwork Orange script, so it was between those two. I guess he just had a file where he, like, dumped a bunch of stuff. I don't know yeah. why he had those two on his computer, but... Yeah, I wonder where he got them. I don't know, yeah. It's kind of cool to go through. Yeah, it's always, it's weird. Um, On YouTube, there's some people that do these things where they'll put play a scene and show the script underneath it uh-huh so you can like see how the final product came out it's interesting they did That's one cool. for um oh, what was it uh no country for old men oh shit where, um the scene where he's in the convenience store 
telling the oh, guy, yeah. he's like, you have Fuck. to call it. Creepy. And then at the end, he gives him that look where he's like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. I think, yeah. it's a, I think that's a meme. <laughs> Dude, that Javier Bardem character is a meme. Just a fucking terrifying, terrifying Scary meme. man. Scary yeah. man. You know, I read the book for that, actually. And Oh, yeah? Yeah, Cormac McCarthy or MacArthur, McCarthy. I don't oh, know. yeah. Same person he wrote, he the, wrote the Road too, right? Yeah, R- pretty prolific author, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But the book, I had seen parts of the movie on TV and stuff. You know, back when people watch movies on <laughs> cable television, uh-huh. and you tune in and only get like thirty minute chunk, and then you'd be like, "Ah, oh, fuck the commercials, I'm out." Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I hadn't really seen it, but I remember reading the book. I think Jimmy McCarthy actually read it with me because it was some group mm. project for a class. Mm. And the book was pretty chilling, but I got to say, that's one where the movie really brings it across a lot more. Really? When you get the performance of someone playing like a sociopath or any sort of like crazy person, mm-hmm. I think reading about it's nice, but I feel like when you read about it, it's explained so much more. Right. Yeah, you can kind of rationalize it. Yeah, whereas when you're just seeing this character act like this, you're just thrust into it. Trying to figure it. him out more. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. That's a good movie. Such a good movie. All right, mate. Thank you for uh, playing along using your acting yeah. chops. I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know how well they came across. A cold read's never the best. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. I wanted that. I wanted that. Uh, like you said, that cold read, that cold uh, opening. Yeah. But. Okay, I got a yeah, I got a question for you. Okay. And it's something I've been kind of thinking about uh recently and I I, I don't know, maybe you have as well. Uh yeah, I wanted to know how you have been feeding your creative spark in this time that feels kind of devoid of creative sparks, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like we're not really able to go out and t- derive any inspiration from shit that we normally would. Yeah. And yeah, I'm wondering how that's affecting your kind of creativity. Mm. Well, to be honest, at first, when we first got locked down and stuff, I was excited for like the break, I guess. I was like, I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to, I don't have to do a show. I don't have to do anything, honestly. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I sunk into that pretty hard. And then after a month, I was like, okay, all I'm doing is working out and playing video games. I need to try and get something going. And, you know, honestly, it's interesting you ask this because I would say I've probably been less creative over the last, what is it, nine months now? Mm -hmm. Because you're right, it's something, I don't know, art's often inspired by life itself and when you turn off so much of life and you're not even going out or and living much, you know, we're still living obviously, but it's very tight knit now. Insular. A lot of repetition as well. Um, yeah. I feel like you lose a lot of that creative inspiration because suddenly your life that's full of experiences and things changing and things not going your way kind of shifts to just being stuck in a room or stuck Mm -hmm. in your house trying to make ends meet. So I feel like for inspiration, there hasn't been much of it. Trying to listen to the War of Art on repeat. um, Oh, yeah? It's like, I mean, it's like three hours long if you listen to the audio book. So it's not too hard of one. But 
you know, that's a good that's a good book to always kick people into gear. I feel like in the creative mm-hmm. realm or in whatever, because it's just talking about do your work, right? Resistance. That's the one where it talks good. about like resistance and yeah, all that, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, honestly, the the inspiration it's it's died a bit. Really, it's, it's being strangled. I'd say almost smothered. Yeah, yeah, because it's just there's such a pull away from the way life normally is that everything kind of starts to fall into that. I've written some things or wrote something, written, wrote, who knows? Yeah. Um, that I'm not the biggest fan of. Some of them feel kind of, I guess uninspired would be the word because I often, if I sit down and start writing something, I feel like I'm just trying to crank it out rather than having mm. these exciting ideas and like laughing about it or, um, you know, just like having revelations as you're writing, it just kind of feels more like oh, I'm just trying to put this out because I have all this free time that I should be using to create. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's some something to be said about not. I mean, metaphorically speaking, like having a gun to your head trying to get things done, like having the wheels turning, like some sort of deadline or pressure on you makes it a lot easier for me, at least. I know for some people they can't they don't thrive in a high stress environment trying to get things done. But for me, sometimes I need that external force telling me you got to do this. You got to finish this. Uh, You need a fully fleshed out idea rather than a mindset where it's like, I have all the time in the world. If I want to take 10 hours to write this one scene, I can do it. If I want to revise it, I can do it. But, I don't know. I've I've been finding myself just slipping into not being that creative lately. Like, are you trying to write like scenes or like like little mini plays or journal? Like, what are you actually trying to do? Uh, honestly, I've been I've probably been screwing myself over because the main thing, like, if you're trying to write, I mean, when you write plays, you can kind of, any play that has like a big scope to it, where like it's set in 18th century. England or whatever like that does that shit matters like for how you set it and how the people talk but it doesn't matter for like when they actually do the production because they don't need to build the streets of like Victorian London or something like that right they can put you in a on a empty stage with a chair and even without the right costumes you can get that across to people Mm. but when you're trying to write a screenplay rather when you're young and finances are low and if anything you were going to self-produce is just like an indie passion project Mm -hmm. you have to write under those constraints which which sucks because you have to sit there and you're like oh i want this to happen and then you're like oh but i can't really film from in front of a driving car too well okay right change it to uh blah 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 in the passenger seat or and then you're also run into stuff like talent wise it's not <laughs> anything i feel like i'm always writing for what i can actually bring to the table and produce but i should probably open my mind up and just you know write yeah, that right? science fiction uh adventure that will that never... seems like it would be more fun like it seems like it would be able you'd be able to kind of ride that creative wave a little bit yeah. easier yeah if you just kind of opened it up and i've had some things like that but a lot of the big ideas I have, I feel I start talking about them in my head or I start writing a note about them. And I, it turns into this like 2,000 word like 
explanation of some story. And I'm like, this is not this is not going to be a movie. This is not going to be a play. This is going to be like three novels if it actually were to play itself out. Yeah. But I think maybe not I I'd probably benefit and a lot of people probably would not having a fear of reaching that high for something. Mm-hmm. It cuz mm-hmm. you know, it's just like uh Stephen Pressfield says it's just doing the work. It's just hammering down on doesn't matter if it takes a year or a month or whatever. If you get it, you just get it done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um I feel like that's a lot of times where like creative people can be like their own worst enemy, right? Like sounds like you're just kind of getting in your own way a little bit just like it, it makes yeah. sense because you're like thinking practically but it's like you probably would have i don't know because it feels good to just like like you say just like um really squeeze out those creative juices when they're flowing you know mm-hmm. like just it, it does feel like you're kind of riding that a wave of uh like the muse. inspiration yeah. yeah and yeah maybe i don't know i like it's different because i don't write plays or anything but i don't know i've just been trying to like do that in my daily life just like my imagination mm-hmm. just feed my imagination because i feel like it has kind of felt like it we're in like waking up in groundhog day like yeah just doing the same shit over and over and over again um but i'm trying to like branch out and like i really want i what i i try to like find my like silliness because like, yeah. i find like that's where like my creativity and i've seen like your like instagram videos and stuff like i see you also (laughs) doing like similar shit um because i but i just think like that's that's what we need right now too like Mm -hmm. we don't you know like it's it's so easy to get fucking caught up in rumination and negativity like all all the world needs right now is just like a little bit of levity you know yeah yeah oh it's interesting you say that like find the um the silliness and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I was recently like writing out this thing, trying to, you know, we're young, we're 20, 23, both of us, um, mm-hmm. young dudes figuring things out. Um, I thought I'd benefit from doing like an exercise, writing out some values, like things that I uh, strive for that, you know, in theory, your values like lead you towards your goals or like set you on the path towards mm. the things you want to accomplish. They're not your goals themselves though. Um, Mm-hmm. So I wrote out all these values and a lot of them I was like, oh, these are perfect. This is exactly what I want to strive for. Um, but oddly enough, the one that has stuck the most was humor. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you were bringing that up because I find that lately humor has been such a positive value to have in your life because it's just the difference of like something bad happened to you, happening to you and you feeling shitty about it or upset versus trying to make a joke out of it or find some way to make it not as heavy as it is and i've been finding myself doing that a ton lately just trying to make a bit out of anything that happens even if i'm by myself or just i mean it's kind of astonishing how much you can make yourself laugh sometimes it's probably weird if someone witnessed it but uh yeah i was thinking about that too like man if someone just saw me do what i just did right now they'd literally think i was schizophrenic like (laughs) yeah like a little like dog runs past you and you just start talking in some weird accent (laughs) oi there pup how you doing yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i I think that that silliness and that humor is right now it's really important just because 
a lot of time you're right the days just are on a loop and mm-hmm. the excitement is out of it the the intrigue the moments that kind of pull you out the beats mm-hmm. you know you know a scene in a movie is entertaining because it shifts you know someone's someone's in control then they lose it then there's a joke then there's um, a reveal of something, but all that's kind of gone from our lives. It's just every day is like, I got to go do this and this, and then I have mm-hmm. to stay home and I can't yeah. go to this random event that doesn't exist right now because it's closed. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. That, like adding that humor is kind of some spice. Some yeah. Spice no, to I, life. I, like you said, you have this option to like, I don't know, I've, I thought about this for a long time. Like you either have this option to like just bury yourself in self-pity once a bad thing happens and just Mm -hmm. like hide away from the world and like that is literally no one any good or you can rebel and like treat it as this thing to be like just scornful of and like laugh at yourself and be like this is fucking life man like yeah it's one of the most fucked up examples of this but like poignant is like um it was uh Dan Collins, one of Dan Collins' hist- uh, hardcore histories about World War One, and mm-hmm. he talks about how these like English soldiers were in like at some kind of desert battle, like might have been like Gallipoli or I don't know somewhere, and or North Africa, and they had set up trenches, and every day they would have to like basically walk through like the body parts of their like former like comrades or whatever. Mm-hmm. and he talks about this like famous scene this guy talks about where there's just a a person's buried and like all you could see above the sand sticking out is his hand and like every day they would make a point of it of like doing these stupid little skits where they like shake hands with it or like high five it so it's like the i don't know it's just the most like morbid fucked mm-hmm. up situation right like losing a brother in arms but like yeah. they've turned it around to be funny because it like that's literally the only way you can deal with it mm-hmm. so it's like obviously we're not dealing with things hopefully to that extreme but it's like i always think about that because it just shows me that like no matter how fucked the thing is mm-hmm. you can always turn it into a joke yeah and like it's it's fucked up to say it's weird to say but like i don't know it's just how we as humans you have to deal with things sometimes i think yeah i mean and even like being it's just interesting to think that being in that situation of war where you're every day there's a possibility that you're gonna die and still being able to maintain that humor and not just slip mm-hmm. into this kind of uh battle mindset or something like that mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like yeah. a lot of people right now have kind of fallen into this thing where they're just waiting out the coronavirus they're just waiting yeah. out it things to change or they're they're waiting for biden to take office or whatever i mean everyone has different things going on yeah but yeah they're sitting on something and suffer at kind of making themselves suffer more than they have to because yeah. that's the thing it's we go we deal with a lot of pain in our lives whether that is right now just people not being able to work or having to like really step up and taking care of their family or things like that um the pain's there we can't we can't escape the pain but right. how much we let it bother us or give into it that's like that's the suffering that's the unnecessary part of it i mean sometimes you could say suffering's necessary it teaches us a lot Mm -hmm. but we don't have to be in a constant state of that feeling yeah 
alienated. Just by like the letting world. The, letting the suffering consume you does nothing for anybody. That that's no. like how I always think about it. It's like, yeah, you're gonna have times where you feel like utterly downtrodden and broken, but if you can't get yourself back, like you've almost I don't want to say you yeah you've lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it feels like the one thing. Like, it's almost like you have to treat life as, like, your goal is to not completely lose faith or lose motivation or lose the thing that keeps you going. Like, if you treat that as your only goal, like, Dostoevsky talks about this a lot, is just, mm. like, he has this famous passage in this uh, letter he writes to his brother after he is sentenced to death. And at the last minute, he gets this reprieve. And he's actually, like, saved by some, like, scout. But literally, he was, like, tied up to, the sh- like, the post where he was about to get shot. Mm-hmm. And then he writes this letter to his brother saying, like, I understand now. Like, I understand. Like, life is clear. Like, the goal is to just live and not get depressed. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, like, what his goal. Like, that's what he says. Like, life is your job is to just have experiences and use them to fuel more experiences. Mm-hmm. and more and more and more it's like it, and it's something that i think only really like kind of made sense to him in that moment of like oh my god i almost just was killed you know i like i can't imagine i mean if, i guess i've had like kind of near death experiences but nothing there it was certain you know it was usually yeah like, like that car accident was a big one where i was just like but it, it's something that you're you're tossed into like he knew leading up to it days in advance like i'm going to die like he was probably thinking about it and then at that last minute, like, I, I just, I can't imagine, like, his, his that that mindset kind of, uh, it it comes to me a lot sometimes, too, when I'm yeah. just thinking about, it's, about life. It's a hard one to, like, hold close to you, I'll admit. It's mm-hmm. a hard thing to keep in mind. I mean, a lot of woo-woo people will just tell you, like, existence is just about your mindset, bro. Yeah. You just gotta <laughs> ride, you just gotta ride the waves of positivity. Yeah. Um, it's not always that like, simple. Would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no one, no one needs that, sir. Um, yeah. Give me, like, an actual way to do this. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It's just in that it's a hard thing to internalize or to ever really just consciously have running in the back of your mind. Or I guess, no, yeah. no, no. To have subconsciously running in the back of your mind. It's It's right. a conscious effort to choose to be whether the situation you're in is good or bad to just be okay with it and mm-hmm. to keep going on. Yeah. Yeah. That and like stoicism, good, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and most people continue to go on like suicide rates are higher than ever, but people it's not like 10% or anything like that. So right. Right. I'd like to believe that most people have this somewhere in them where they, there's something that keeps them going, but it's, what you're kind of saying is it doesn't have to be some external, like actual real thing that's keeping them going. Like, oh, I have right. to, I need to stay happy and alive for my kid or my mm-hmm. my spouse or something like that. It's just that motivate. I need to stay alive and like press on through this hard time and not give into it for myself, for yeah. for my identity and who I want to be and how I want to live, kind of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how I like existentialism because it's like. Yeah, it's trying to remove all that external, like, motivation for survival mm-hmm. and, like, you know, like, try to live as authentically as possible. Like, this guy, 
um i'm reading um 1984 right now which is okay. pretty cool Back um, into it. have you read it before I've never read it before, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I read. Uh, I think I read Brave New World in the in school, but I never read 1984. Well, let but me spoil so it for you. No. Huh? <laughs> let me spoil it for you. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> but it's so good. Like, and it, it's uh, like obviously it's very telling of today's world and like Orwell's fucking like on point in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see his. I don't know if he read these existentialists. But he was, like, around at the same time as them. And he, like, really embodies this one um, existentialist, Heidegger, because he's, the whole book, he's always talking about how, like, it's, he's doomed, basically. Like, he's committed this thought crime. Like, he is rebelling against the party, like, the orthodoxy. And, Mm -hmm. like, it's just a matter of time before he dies. And he, like, knows that that's fact. And so like this guy Heidegger talks about like in a the only way to be authentic to live an authentic life is to like live towards death to like mm-hmm. to not say like I will die one day but to say like I will die and he has this like crazy philosophical shit where he's just like life is death like you know it's just this very like existential kind of uh framework that he's saying down yeah. in this fiction I I really like it I think it's like it's hard and dark but yeah. it's like kind of as accurate and as authentic as you can you yeah. can live. I I haven't dove into too much existential philosophy or actually reading about it from mm-hmm. published philosophers. Yeah. But you're right it it's one of those I feel like if you had to give me some sort of religious stamp or sorts mm-hmm. to qua- to I don't know put me in a box I guess. Yeah. I'm, fr- I'm some sort of like existential agnostic. Uh huh. Because I do, of course. I think I think there's something, but I have no idea what it is. I know yeah. I can't fully understand it, mm-hmm. but it's accepting that in a sense. And I feel like existentialism kind of falls into that with a lot of stuff. But just mm-hmm. all these weird, um, just ways of shifting how you're thinking to not um, be boxing yourself into anything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I haven't read too much about it. Um, I don't know what does like no that probably doesn't fall into it. I feel like existentialism kind of can lead to some if you're not looking at it the right way, kind of the same as like absurdism, where people start to just be like, "Well, what's the point then?" Yeah, if, it, it is like the what's the point. It's the answer to like what's the point. It's like mm-hmm. you've okay, we've had this what's the point realization. Where do we go from there? Yeah. That's kind of like where existentialism comes in, and it's like yeah. You read, like, I don't know, it can get super fucking depressing. Like, if you read Kierkegaard, he's mm-hmm. sort of, like, this religious um, philosopher, and he talks about how, like, life is nothing but despair, and how, like, if, you know... Uh, I wish I could find... There's, like, some amazing quote where he kind of, like, sums up how dark life is or can be. Um, and then he basically says, like, our only option is to, like, have faith in an afterlife or have faith in a god basically that's kind of where he stands um but then there's obviously like the non-religious ones i mean they all are like because they're born in 1800s or so the one that isn't that religious is like camus albert camus who yeah 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 he's awesome he's like the absurdist man and like that's i think he's like the best like he he's distilled all of their ideas 
kind of with Sisyphus. Yeah. Like, I feel like fucking... people kind of like, yeah, they'll take him as the authority on it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was definitely like the more, like the most contemporary one. Like, there's still contemporaries. Yeah, what was that? Like 1930 or something like that. Yeah, right. Like some, some, something around there. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he he. I like his kind of um, yeah, his conclusion. Oh, this is what uh, Kierkegaard says. So he says. If there were no eternal consciousness in a man, if at the bottom of everything there were only a wild ferment, a power that twisting in dark passions produced everything great or inconsequential, if an unfathomable, insatiable emptiness lay hid beneath everything, what would life be but despair? It's like, damn. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. It sounds like he's kind of posing it as like, if that were the scenario, then yeah, life yeah. would be like that. But I think he's saying that is what life is. Like, if there were no, again, if there were no eternal consciousness, like if there was no afterlife, yeah, we'd be fucked. Well, that's a good point because it's kind of then you can lead that towards saying, well, life isn't just despair. So maybe that that's a indication that there's something more to it. Yeah, for him though, life ever. was despair. Like that's all. That was his whole point. Was like, yeah, he has like this five. I don't know. He he has this like whole long his claims of like how life is despair <laughs> like yeah. it's the most depressing shit ever <laughs> it's funny that like we a lot of people will take these philosophers thought these people that just lit like this guy you're saying what's his name kierkegaard K- i'm gonna not even say it say? <laughs> um, p- these people that you know you imagine this guy just like sitting at a like dusty ass typewriter yeah. or with like a pen quill just writing out some shit just, and like, just crying. like crying <laughs> yeah. yeah crying like just has to change the page because the tears are just soaking yeah. through um but then you think about the service that those people put towards future generations and readers yeah obviously and you know it seems like a lot of the philosophers more of the older time I, do you read any contemporary philosophers like 2000s no i, I no. think peter singer just, is like the most contemporary dude he's yeah. like the he's like the dude who um he like he's like now big into like animal rights and stuff but oh okay um <laughs> he's like talking about like uh, what was his thing? Oh, like if you're his thought experiments, like you're walking down the street in a like expensive suit, like you just bought like a three thousand dollar suit, and then you see a child drowning in the river, like you wasn't you wouldn't hesitate, you would just fucking jump in and go save the child. Mm-hmm. But then he talks about how you can actually like save children's lives way f- like in 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 sub-saharan africa for like way less than three thousand dollars or whatever so like yeah your obligation should be for service basically he's just talking about mm. how like altruism and like like that's an interesting point yeah yeah but that's like the most contemporary dude i remember just out of recent yeah well all the i mean all these old philosophers that seem just like they hated life and to some extent <laughs> yeah. where they were just desperately trying to write it down yeah. um they they've provided a service to the future because we get to read it and then draw upon it to how we totally. go that's why philosophy is like an ever changing field because mm-hmm. it's just taking the past and kind of weaving it into Folding the present it back and in taking it forward yeah. but that's an interesting take that life is just despair. 
<laughs> I know it's really yeah. sad. It's well, really that's kind of like what Camus said with uh, with Sisyphus. At the the ending was just kind of saying like Sisyphus yeah. is going to be rolling this rock up the hill. For yeah, the rest of this his is going to suck. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, he's kind of admitting it's despair. It's hard work. But it's he was suffering. Saying, like, yeah, Sisyphus. Has yeah, I think there's like to... what like his difference is like how you're responding to the suffering. Like, are you yeah. responding to it with? despair or are you responding to it with absurdity and scorn yeah. like that was his whole thing just like rail against the fucking universe and just keep rolling yeah. it anyway you know? what's like, your relationship to the stone kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah are you smiling as you push it yes, i think exactly. i think about that a lot actually i mean it's probably kind of lame to associate it to it, but I feel like even like working out, you can kind of think about Sisyphus sometimes. Oh yeah, and you're like, I don't want to do this set. I don't want to run another mile, uh-huh. but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it with a smile because yeah. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. Exactly, it's, it's all yeah. I'm supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've I've been I've been thinking a lot about how like I. I live in the in my head in the future too much. Like I mm-hmm. I live in hypotheticals way too much. Uh yeah. so I've been trying to really focus on like the day the daily just goings on of of my life. The but presence. then I'm like don't you like have to kind of think about the future? You yeah. know? I'm like I have to like weigh those two things. Yeah, it's. Like, I mean, it's hard to know how much to do it, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're right, like, especially in the world we live in right now. We're in mm-hmm. West, the Western world, you know, the mm-hmm. capitalist societies. Capitalism. Um, I don't say that with any animosity. But <laughs> it's just people are like, fuck capitalism. I know. <laughs> <What>? Okay. <laughs> like, um, sure. But... um. It's like you have to consider these future things because finances just fall into it. Yeah. I mean, they're an everyday thought, you know, mm-hmm. it, whether you're just managing your bank account on a day to day or looking over your investments and trying to save properly and make sure you're set for the future. Yeah, I think yeah. if we it's great to plan for the future and have a, a, a plan of attack, I suppose, but you can't have a plan of how things are going to play out because that's it yeah you just end you'll end up upset when they don't live up to it exactly yeah there's no way to know like there's literally you're always going to be wrong (laughs) yeah so it's it's worth having a plan but it's not dwelling on it too much it's just going to be unnecessary at a certain point and i know i i fall victim to that all the time yeah just kind of thinking about like i mean that's where a lot of uh i can't remember what you were saying with riley about anxiety and depression you were saying one of them has more to do with the past and one of them has more to do with the yeah yeah like anxiety is like kind of more living in the future and then depression is supposed to be like ruminating about your past mistakes yeah i feel like they could both stick a little bit in either direction Mm, but um yeah like thinking too much forward that totally is going to lead to depression because if you're just thinking certain things are going to happen and they're not happening you're going to be upset because you you're basically making yourself a failure for something you didn't fail. You at. haven't even done yet. Yeah. You're saying like yeah. this next year I'm gonna save up fifteen thousand dollars or whatever, and you don't yeah. do it, and then you're like, I am a piece of shit. I did <laughs> right. not do it, and you're like, yeah, but there was nothing telling you you had to. Like, that, yeah, that path wasn't decided. 
Yeah. It's like when yeah. people are saying, like, do you want to imagine knowing, like, the day you're going to die, like, up to the exact minute. Mm-hmm. And then, you're, like, if you were just set on that and then it didn't happen, you'd be like, what the fuck? I, what? <laughs> no. You were supposed to die right now. Can you now. imagine? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I've thought of that question. I think about that sometimes where they're like, would you rather know the day? Would you would you take the knowledge of the day you're going to die up to yeah. the minute? Or would you just rather not know? I, I don't Ah, I don't know because like I don't know how it would make me live my life. Would I just be like super reckless and be like, "Well, I can do whatever the fuck I want because I'm gonna die in like 2093." On you but know, but is that attitude because you knowing it is that what leads to you dying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. People say that they're like, "Okay, you're gonna die tomorrow." And you're like, fuck that. I'm not dying tomorrow. I'm getting out of town. I'm going to go escape. And then you yeah. end up camping in Yosemite and fall off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, you right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you just yeah, stay home bait. and your house gets yeah. hit by a tree or something. Yeah. I wouldn't want to know that, I don't think. I don't, I don't think, think I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to die. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I'm going to be 23 forever. Do you fast, bro? <laughs> Do you even fast, man? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking more about like I was talking with Riley about this, like thinking more about my mortality, just because I like see old people on a daily basis, so it's mm-hmm. like easier for me to kind of like put it in my frame of mind. I actually talked to my grandparents this morning, and like seeing how they are living right now is also like super like illuminating. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I was saying like my. <laughs> I think they're 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 scared, but they're also just kind of like dumb with it. <laughs> like they're just yeah. like, you know what? Like, I've had a good run. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's they're like let about... it come, <laughs> let the sweet release come. Take no, they they're they're like obviously still like quite scared and have to live in their fucking living rooms and stuff. But mm. it, it's cool to talk about Tyrell. Like, I was talking to my granddad about like his. Just where they've lived and what they've done and like, like it's it's a good uh, I don't know it's just kind of a good reminder I guess just like we're barely getting started you know what I mean yeah ideally I mean who knows but yeah like I I I just am brought comfort in knowing that <laughs> you know yeah yeah I mean it it's just, yeah seeing people I you know something I'm always kind of upset about is that people that are at least the people in my life that are at like extreme old age Mm -hmm. aren't too open to speaking about their mortality with Mm. younger people i mean if they if they have anything to say it's just like live your life sonny Um, (laughs) which is kind of upsetting because you wonder what kind of insight they might have but that being said maybe it's not ever anything that profound they are they were you at one point. They they are a child yeah. that grew up into a 70-year-old person. Mm-hmm. So it's really like what more – they have ex- years of experience on you, but what can they tell you about your life? Right. No, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, like I – that's basically what I'll get out of my grandparents is just like, yeah, just, just go out there and live, like take in experiences and do what you're doing basically. Yeah, and don't but base like, seeks- it off our lives. Yeah, yeah. Seek your own, yeah. Seek your own experiences. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Like, we always want. That's the thing about us, right? Like, as humans, we just want like 
this is the wisdom. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. the answer, you know? Like, you yeah. want, like, a distilled little, like, pa- like packaged line or whatever. But then you just, like, even if you got that, you would take it in for maybe, like, 10 minutes and then be like, okay, and then go see what's on TV. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, like, that disconnect between, like, the media we consume and, like, how we're actually living our lives, you know? Like, mm-hmm. how often... It's very rare, like, which is why I talk about it all the time. Like, the things that have, like, directly impacted how I think, like, the media I consume. Like, it's pretty rare for something you read or hear or listen to, unless you're doing it over, like, a continuous basis to make an impact in your life, you know? Yeah, you hear something and you're like, oh, I identify with that so much. This is so spot on. I'm going to keep this with me. And then yeah. a week later, it's it's a few pages deep in your notes, and you yeah 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 whatever that was yeah. Do you ever do that? You ever go back over old notebooks and then be like, "Huh, that was actually pretty cool," <laughs> and yeah, then just close like, it again? That, and was, just a, be that like, was a good idea. And then you yeah. flo- you're like, "Smart me, yeah." Yeah, a little pat on the back. You're like, "Wow," <laughs> yeah. But you don't like write it out. You, yeah. Like one one example of that is I was listening to um, Matthew McConaughey on Joe Rogan. I think he uh-huh. went on Mark Maron. He was actually on everything. I like tuned really? on NPR and he was on there talking about his fucking oh, book. Oh, damn. Why actors are always writing books. <laughs> I mean, like, I get like the fans might be into it, but I don't know who asked for the book. Um, <laughs> but one thing he was saying, just like a little quote that I wrote down, he said, um, you should check in with yourself in the morning before you check in with the rest of the world. And... Huh. That's pretty relevant for for our generation a lot because I feel like the first thing a lot of people do is turn the alarm off and scroll. open up the phone and start scrolling. Mm. And I wrote that down and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. And so like for a few days, I would wake up in the morning and like just turn the alarm off, go take a piss, get some water, and like try to like check in, you know. Mm-hmm. But then quickly enough, just rolling over, grabbing <laughs> the phone. Oh, what's this email? Oh, what's this? Yeah. Just a yeah. slave to the phone. But that's an example of, you know, you write down some, like, thought that you're like, this is powerful. This is going to yeah. stick. This is going to help me. Uh-huh. And it just fades away. Yeah, yeah. You, that's you're the thing. Right. It has to be done on that, like, continuous basis. Yeah. Because, like, you can form habits, right? Like, you and I have done it, like, through mm-hmm. exercise or through whatever we're doing, journaling or, I don't know, whatever our practice is, like, you can make it part of you. It's just, like, that barrier is so it's hard to like yeah force it into your life you know the barrier of, of habit i suppose mm-hmm. that 21 27 days whatever the yeah science says about it it's inter- it's interesting how that plays into it so much that totally. you could have something super profound go down and if you don't let it ruminate or like draw out all the knowledge from it over a period of time following it it just kind of slips away mm-hmm. you yeah. know kind of like like a mushroom trip yeah if you, if you if you go trip balls and you have this amazing experience where it could just be one moment where it's like 10 minutes long but feels like an hour and yeah. where you're sitting there and you're like oh it all makes sense everything yeah. is connected and yeah. i am i am right where i need to be you know just a feeling of like satisfaction uh oneness being yeah. content oneness um you have that like profound feeling and then you go home that night and you're like i'm gonna keep feeling this way and then slowly it fades away if you don't like write it out or like also that's an experience you can't keep feeling that feeling so right. 
it starts to just dissipate if you don't consciously remind yourself of it or try to find a way to express it yeah that's a weird one too because it's like it's it'd be pretty hard like can you imagine just being like that all the time like would you do anything (laughs) you know what i mean i I would just be laying in bed having orgasms (laughs) just like dry (laughs) orgasms for hours (laughs) and you wouldn't care about like your body or like what you put in it (laughs) no like what you put in it yeah you wouldn't because you'd just be utterly satisfied i like i think about that a lot it's like what we're almost striving for that in a way and like there are people that literally dedicate their entire lives right like to become enlightened and meditate for 10 hours a day and yeah but it's like are you are you actually contributing to anything you know like yeah that's amazing that you've like found these states of consciousness and i suppose like that in itself is like a contribution but if you're not sharing that with other people and you're not like educating or you know like you're not contributing anything you're not what's the point you know isn't the point to like leave this place a better place than you found it at least in your immediate bubble of influence you know like just have some sort of impact rather than just being like i everything's perfect for me so i'm fine (laughs) i I don't know some people could probably be content with that but yeah that's another thing where i feel like um we're talking depression anxiety anxiety i feel like stems from a lot of that sometimes you know Mm. like it's pretty i mean i don't have science to back this up but um where we grew up um or at least where you grew up when we knew each other Uh um there's a lot of housewives um who do a wonderful job full-time taking care of their kids i'll give i'm not i'm not trying to discredit anything by Uh saying this um but they have they have it pretty wrapped up pretty perfect in a lot of these suburban places where Mm -hmm. you know you take care of the kids and you do whatever duties you have um and then your husband comes home or or whoever the working individual is Mm -hmm. um and they kind of provide and satisfy and um meet all your needs and I feel like it's really common in those kind of areas for people t- of that situation, housewives, house husbands, to start getting large amounts of anxiety. Oh, yeah. N- not because something in their life is extremely stressful. The, uh, exactly the opposite of opposite. that. Opposite, yeah. There, there is no, um, there's no struggle. There's no... Mm-hmm something they have to get through. There's no progress forward because it is kind of settled into a real specific, real comfortable existence. Mm-hmm. And so that anxiety kind of starts to come out with that. So I feel 100%. like if you were stuck on a, this loop where you're just like, I am one with everything, eventually you'd just be, that could even just turn negative. You could just be riddled with mm. fear and anxiety and just a constant kind of quiver to everything you do because there's no struggle there's no yeah. problem it's it's like watching a movie where nothing happens you right. just want to turn it off right you don't want to yeah, keep going yeah. that's so interesting yeah dude i like and then again like it's a thing where you also need to find that balance because like there's then people who are too much into the struggle like they i don't know I was thinking that, like, the first person that came to my mind when I said that was, like, David Goggins. But he mm-hmm. seems like that is, like, his fuel 
but like his yeah. his whole thing is struggle right his whole thing is like battle your body battle your mind and there's freedom through that yeah and he seems to like make it work but i think there's people who get that lost in the struggle you know yeah like you you can't be struggling all the time unless you're david goggins but no. he's obviously yeah. got some demons. Like, I don't think you can be him yeah. and not have some shit going on inside. Yeah, you know? I don't. I think David Goggins is great inspiration. But uh-huh. I, I read the whole book. You know, you hear about his childhood and everything in um in uh what the fuck is it called? Buds, uh, the SEAL training and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. You're like, this guy has every right to be the biggest savage ever. And like, mm-hmm. he's found a way to cope with whatever haunts him. Yeah. But you're right, that kind of like too much struggle, it's just where's the enjoyment in life? If you're just yes. always like every moment you're kind of just like, I'm a bitch and I got to go hard. I got to do this. Because <laughs> right. David Goggins seems like the kind of guy that finishes a 20-mile run just casually in the morning and looks at the time and goes, fuck, could have yeah. been faster. Yeah, could've, yeah, yeah. Could have done better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But again, just like the philosophers we were saying that just lived this dark, depressed life, there's people that play out these unique archetypes of, of people, like th- maybe not even archetypes, just instances of unique individuals that probably have existed throughout history, but mm-hmm. haven't shown their themselves to the public. Right. And we need those people, I guess, because they help people that aren't in those same kind of situations bring that into their life. Yeah, yeah. It helps, like, us find the balance, I suppose. Like, yeah. Because yeah, I meet re- people that are, tell you about how they read David Goggins and, like, they're living the Goggins lifestyle uh-huh. or, like, the Jocko lifestyle. Yeah. And they yeah. seem like they hate it. They seem like <laughs> they're not happy about it. No. It's a hard thing to be happy about. That's the thing. It's, like, it's not – You you don't do that if you're – happy i don't think it's like a path to happiness it's because you're I, I because you're coming like the 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 main thing i think that he is like really espousing is like that self-mastery like if mm-hmm. you set a goal and you set a routine you can accomplish that goal i lo- i lost 30 pounds because i worked out every day like yeah. that's something to be happy about but it's like when it yeah when your entire life becomes like just that i mean he obviously gets gets off on that like incremental push but like he's at the bar he's like you know gotten at the top of that like performance curve where like the the rate of change is like so minimal like it's fucking impossible yeah. to get another like half second or whatever off his run or half yeah a the percent off his body composition zeroed out yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's uh, yeah. Once you're at that level, I guess that's the only thing you you know. And he's obviously made a name for himself by doing it. So mm-hmm. who the fuck are we to say that it's it's not the right thing to do? But yeah, um, yeah. He's someone that uh, again, he's just finding rocks to roll. I guess like that's that's his and thing. he lo- he loves rolling that rock. <laughs> yeah, he fucking or he just or he just direly hates it and he's yeah. just loves that about it <laughs> right that rage yeah that rage that it, it can bring out and yeah yeah it's an important thing to harness i think like whatever he can tap into right like he has that like mm. whole 40 percent rule like when you think you're done you're only 40 percent done yeah. stay hard yeah <laughs> always saying that 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I subscribe to that a lot. I like that yeah. um, concept. That's probably like the main thing. Even, not even the 40%, because that's a, okay, how do you factor that out? Why right. 40%? Like, yeah. so specific. I got 60% more to yeah. go. It's yeah. like, okay, I can do 20 push ups. No, you could do 28. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, okay. Like, like, why? Who? Where'd you get the number? Um, that reminds me of, I'm pretty sure a long time ago, there was some, this is a sidebar, but Jocko had something where he's like, take the squat, no, put the weight on the squat rack that you can do 10 times and then do it for 20. And <laughs> like what? <laughs> okay, but what, what I was yeah. saying the that forty percent, I I love that because it's it's pretty true. How often do you ever push yourself to the legitimate breaking point? Right, like you're gonna go run. I mean, if you're doing like a sport, I could see it's been hit. I've in football, I was throwing up from doing sprints at times. Mm-hmm. That that was the breaking point. I, yeah, I, yeah. Literally, the food I didn't eat in the morning was I was throwing up whatever it could yeah. find because mm-hmm. I was just in that pain. But, you know, you never reach that point. You never reach your um, the threshold of your right. um, exertion. Yeah. And so it's nice to have that thought in the back of your head. It doesn't have to be 40%, but that you're there's more you could push. That you're not done. Yeah, yeah, With yeah, anything totally. you're doing. It's very, I mean, it's hard to like, do that for yourself you know like mm-hmm. you mentioned like being on a sports team and like having whoever the fuck is screaming at you and telling you you're nothing and like pushing you but then like it comes a whole nother thing when you try to do that like by your by yourself you know yeah because because you get to a conundrum where you're like, I'm at the breaking point. And you're like, yeah. there's 40% more. And then you go <laughs> yeah. further and you're like, I'm really at the breaking point. But that means there's 40% there's more. more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's hard to gauge. People People don't know with anything, not even fitness-related stuff. People don't know their limit on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's ex- – how would you ever know? How could you figure it out? You know, how long can I really sit here and, and write? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it could be 24 hours if you mm-hmm. had food and water all on standby. And Adderall be... in a little bowl. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's cheating. I could do. I could run a marathon right now if you gave me an Adderall. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> a lot of runners actually do that. Really? Yeah. Or not a lot. That. I shouldn't say a lot. But... I feel like that's a bad idea. Isn't that going to like... That can really dehydrate you and like fuck yeah, up. Yeah, it can kidney. fuck you up. I mean, in my own experience, not I haven't like gone running on Adderall, but with uh-huh. kratom, I find kratom to be certain types of it pretty similar in really? the realm of kind of feeling like Adderall. Um, and I've gone on some runs where I've taken. I never take a lot of kratom, but I've taken a little bit, and I've been like, oh, I'm feeling great. End up running like ten or twelve miles, and then I get Damn. home and. I'm I like actually pass out or like have like a raging headache because Damn. this substance helped me press on I suppose right. but it also made me neglect my hydration yeah my like conservation of energy or anything like that it it pushed me so far that now I'm gonna suffer because of it and so I feel like you're right with the Adderall there's people that go run like they'll train and do 12 miles. 13 14 15 16 and then they'll be like all right the marathon's next week i haven't ran 
even 20 miles yet, but I'm going to mm-hmm. take that Adderall and, <laughs> and we'll be we're gonna good. We're going to send it. We're going gonna, gonna to be fine. Yeah. I feel like that uh, ha- that happens. I mean, actually, no, I ha- won't name any names, but someone I knew had a friend that they said that she did that. And I was like, oh, then why do they get to like post about it and ha- put that stupid sticker on the back of their car? 26.2 <laughs> right. or whatever 26.2. And then you just have a little bar of Adderall right next to it. <laughs> yeah, just a, t- just a tiny one. I see those stickers all the time. And if they're not more than 26, then why the fuck did you put it on your car? People put the half marathon one on their car. I'm like, look, it's still a hard run. Most people can't do it, but uh-huh. a lot of people they're just like, what are you bragging about? It's like if people put their like bench press PR on their car, four forty five for two. Like, okay. Holy I'm gonna shit. get. Yeah, like that's the, so weird. Why is the running the only thing that's like normalized? Like, it's it's yeah. okay to brag about it. Right. It's not, right. Like <laughs> my hundred meter time, know. yeah. That's so that's so interesting. I never thought about that before. You ever see the people because that put marathon running is like in the culture more? Like, yeah, we have all these big events that like the Boston Marathon and the, mm, right. there's a million other ones. Some people put their ultra marathon stickers on their car. Those people deserve to put it there. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. Get, I'll when let you, you have see that. someone's car and it goes one fifty two point six, you're like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't walk that much last year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does that ever interest you? Like something like that at an ultra uh, marathon, like more than a marathon. I mean, I haven't even done a marathon, so. Uh-huh. But you're but into like yeah. distance running. Yeah, I I get into it and then I get out of it. I get like uh-huh. somewhat. I feel like too much muscle fatigue or like joints kind of acting up, and I go. Eh. I'm always like back and forth because I I do the barefoot running. So I mean, I'm not actually barefoot. But I have mm. the shoes that have, like, no arch support or anything like that, um, which I believe is can't is better for your feet depending on the surface you're running on. Yeah. Concrete, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always get to a point where I just feel like I'm hurting myself for running mm. too much. And if I was going to get into actual endurance running, like, try, not competing, but doing a marathon or something like that, mm-hmm. I feel like leading up in the training, I would just be – damaging myself miserable too much. Yeah, yeah yeah that's what it seems like it seems like those even marathon runners but like the especially like the ultra marathon people are like mm-hmm. talk about like like <laughs> life is suffering it seems like that is literally just breaking yourself like yeah. it, i don't see any upside to it like there's no way that that can be good for you (laughs) You i'll tell you they're they're junkies sam yeah 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 junkies there's some there's a high out of that i mean runner's high is a real thing it's it's not noticeable when you like stop running you don't feel like oh yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i know that sometimes after a run i'll be like way more excited i'll like yeah afterwards i find like the the it's like that afterglow it's just like you're just in a good mood or you're just like super receptive to like Mm-hmm. learning stuff or like you know yeah it's kind of open minded yeah. relaxed like something terrible could happen to you and you wouldn't care that much yeah. <laughs> yeah but i wonder what the because i've done some like you know 10 plus miles where you're, you're running for an hour or more and there's like a, a middle 30 minutes of that where you're just not there you're just mm. trotting along like stuck in the oh, in the high i guess which is it's cool it it's weird sometimes because you're like, when did I run through this area of town or whatever? Sam, are you still there? 
All right, Sam's gone dark. I'm still uh, gone, talking, though. I'll keep it going. Hey, folks, I don't know if you're hearing me right now or you're hearing Sam or he had to edit over this, but our call dropped out, so I'm going to take a moment to give you a word from our sponsor. Shit. And our sponsor today is me, Matt Cropscott. So if you want, you can go subscribe to me on YouTube where I don't post videos, or you can um, follow me on Instagram at uh, Matt Bobberts and or Cream of the Crop. Um, oh, I was just doing some ads for you in the dead space. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, wait, shit. Hold on. I got to reconnect you to my headphone. Oh, shit. oh, shit. Talk? Hey, there you go. Were you advertising some Kratom? No, I was just, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to give you a word from our sponsor, me. <laughs> I think I linked my Instagram or something. You don't have to use it. I don't know what will happen. <laughs> I'll leave that. it in there. <laughs> um, what, were we, what were we just talking about? I think we were talking about... Uh, we're talking about ultra marathons, like running, the highs of running, post. Yeah, I, yeah. I was basically getting towards. I just wonder what that high is like when you're doing these six, seven, twenty-four hour runs. Yeah, I where you're no at during that. What happens to your head? Like the people, the fucked up ones are the ones where you like go multiple days and don't yeah. sleep. Like, um, there's this woman, Courtney Dualter, who was yeah, on yeah, yeah. Rogan, and she talks about how like. Like you straight up hallucinate. Like she starts mm-hmm. seeing like, like little animals and like eyes in the forest and yeah, like things that, that is, aren't there. You just start tripping out. Like that sounds <laughs> crazy. It's unique because you wonder: it, is that some response that's built into us for a situation where per se we had to survive by running away mm. for night days and nights on end? Interesting. Or not, yeah. Or is it just our brain failing and starting to like draw conclusions because its functional capacity has dropped down so far? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I wonder, like, I wonder if that was like a common thing. Like, were we? I guess we were probably chased like that more often than now. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine it being like that regular of an occurrence where our brain would like no. have built up some yeah. mechanism. You know. I think like messengers that were running across Greece oh, and yeah. shit were like tripping by the end of it so they'd run faster or something. They'd be seeing <laughs> seeing demons and shit and they're like, I gotta get this fucking message away. I gotta get this thing away. Or from Leon- me. Yeah. Leonidas is gonna kick me in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> it had, it could have a benefit. I don't know though. That's just a I just think that's almost like maybe you must get delusional on multiple levels, not just visuals, when you're running for that long. Mm. Like, there must be a point during that mar- that ultra marathon where you're just like, why am I even doing this? Yeah. I don't, yeah. don't want to do this. I'm a school teacher. Like, I should. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I could see you, like, I could see you almost, like, you were saying how you're, like, even on those, you know, five, six mile runs or whatever, mm. there's, like, a half an hour period where you're just not even there like i could mm-hmm. really see you like having some kind of out of body experience you know like yeah you just stop becoming you running and you just start like watching yourself run and you're just like yeah i feel that sometimes like you're almost pulled out like seeing yourself mm. a little bit i mean you're not actually but you just it's like you know you're gonna keep running like you know yeah. there's a certain amount of miles you want to hit right and now that you're in the middle of it it's not even an act of 
committing to doing it. It's just being the bystander to the action mm-hmm. that's going to play out. Interesting, yeah. You Which have is a goal. I think that might be maybe a, a faculty of runner's high, whatever that elusive thing is, um, is that there comes a point where you're no longer like – exerting effort towards the commitment to continue running you're at a point where you've you've hit that stride and you're in it now Mm, you are the running you are the run (laughs) could be something like that i don't know interesting yeah i haven't haven't delved too far into like the like the depths of that like i most i'll go is like four maybe five miles and Mm. then like i said the most pronounced effect is just like i feel good afterwards like i just feel like ready for the day or the anxiety we were kind of talking about that like flood is in if i even on the days that i work out like rings or whatever i still will sometimes get that but whenever i run in the morning i never really feel like um like that really like yeah it's interesting it's weird how it strips away that um just those anxieties and things Mm -hmm. like that the stresses of life some for some reason yeah i think working out in general kind of does that because we all are conscious that it's something we don't have to do it's a Mm. choice to better ourselves or or it's even just a choice because like for some people for me at least like if i have a super undisciplined day where i don't do anything i really want to do or i just scrub when i go work out i try to really get into it really go hard yeah, and there's a fulfillment that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I don't know where I lost my train of thought. More no, I, <laughs> no, I totally feel that. Like I, especially in the days of um, like that whole like two and a half months of me like not really working or doing much. It was like the workout was the time to be like, okay, like this is where I'm gonna actually get my fulfillment mm-hmm. out of. You know, this yeah. is like the one thing that I. Yeah, like you say, I don't have to do. It's hard, and I can push myself. Yeah, yeah. I I I love I love working out in general. Just mm-hmm. I I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I love trying to suggest it to people, almost like with what you're saying, because if someone lacks discipline or is just feels unmotivated or doesn't want to work on the things they need to do, I always feel like incorporating exercise into their lifestyle, into their daily life, gives them that like microcosm of discipline because it's mm-hmm. something that you are committing to doing and you're executing it. You're performing rather than deciding not to do it. A hundred percent. And I don't know. It's I feel like it helps a lot of people, but some people go their whole life without any regular exercise and they're prolific in something else or they make a ton of money and they get Right. By. I know. I'm always wondering about those people. Like I longevity wise i don't think it works out too well like it how you're gonna age maybe it does i don't know i i i just i've i've been brushing up against that too because i in my head i'm like i don't know how i would be a productive individual and not (laughs) exercise because Mm -hmm. it just does so much for me and like what we were all talking about just like the stress relief whatever the feel of the feeling of fulfillment and it just like starts that like momentum of of you know of getting things done. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I guess it's not necessary. Totally. I guess we're just like, people are different. So it's, I, I just don't know. I, you have to be pretty 
focused, I guess, on something else. Like you, I think you have to have something that's doing that for you. You know, mm-hmm. like you need to have whether it's your work or your, like I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else would like do that for you, but it seems like you need to replace it with something. Yeah, it, it's maybe it's easy with fitness and stuff because it's you see such direct results from it. Mm-hmm. Even after performing a workout, you, you might have a pump or like look right. a little skinnier, less bloated, water weight's gone. Totally. Um, and maybe that direct thing, like that's why it's so much easier for people to incorporate exercise into their daily activities versus being like, you know, creative types trying to like sit down and write or sit down and mm-hmm. read even. Because those things, there, there's not a direct um feeling of like satisfaction or accomplishment sometimes right it feels and they don't and there are also things you don't need to do to survive you know working out makes you feel like oh yeah i'm gonna be healthier and have more longevity and probably live longer um Mm. but then you think about like oh i want to sit down and write this this play or this screenplay you're like, oh, but I don't have to do it today. If I don't do it today, I can do it tomorrow or I can mm-hmm. do it next month and I'll still be alive and I'll still mm-hmm. probably live just as long. Interesting, so it's, yeah. It's, yeah, trying to get that, shift that relationship to be the same with your work and stuff like that. And some people, as we were saying, it seems like they, they've made that shift drastically. Their right. work, or whatever thing they're productive in, becomes like their exercise their longevity it's Mm. it's their identity almost yeah yeah totally i and i guess if that's what you love to do like say if your yeah your work is like giving you that energy then like Mm -hmm. i don't know who who are we to say that that's a bad thing yeah but i don't know it's pretty rare i think for people to get into a job where that is the case you know like that's why i'm always skeptical of when i hear about people that don't exercise because yeah like "Hmm, like, are you a crazy like i don't know maybe you're just not as crazy as me but (laughs) i feel like you probably are (laughs) maybe i don't know it's so easy to not i mean it's so easy to not exercise all you have to do is not do it you know (laughs) that's true (laughs) i talk i talk about this all the time with kaya my girlfriend i'm always saying um i understand fat people so much totally i i eat the food and i go oh I'd love to have this every meal. I'd yeah. love to eat a few pieces of candy after anything. Uh-huh. I'd love to wake up with McDonald's. Uh, it'd be so easy. I'd love mm-hmm. to not work out. I'd love to stay in bed all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a certain point, and so many people, I don't understand how so many can, people can live like that for so long. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like at a certain point, don't you feel the the weight of your like lat and i don't mean the weight like the physical weight ah, but um ting like- <laughs> <laughs> um don't you feel like the weight of your inactivity and poor choices like weighing that da- weighing you down kind of mm. making you not the person you want to be because you can't control these impulses uh, just, yeah yeah i i think i think probably no because like you we as humans we're just we get into routines, right? We get into ruts and we literally have, we are carving like neural pathways through those behaviors. So it's like Mm. if you, all of your life, you've just been sitting down in a bed and eating McDonald's. That's just what your body is used to. That's what your mind is 
doing so it's like you have to go out of your way to then even have the thought like oh i need to change this you know like mm-hmm. i think like it is very difficult to break habits you have and very even more difficult to start new ones you know so yeah i, I like yeah i see what you're saying like but i think that's because it's coming from you who is a person who cannot imagine their life without exercise yeah. and it'd be the same yeah. for me like yeah that's a good point because like if i wanted to just drop the habit of exercise and yeah being conscious of what i eat it'd be difficult i, w- exactly. I wouldn't be able to do it well and yeah. you know that's interesting because an obese person might be looking at us and being like how can you not give in to this stuff how can right. you how can you hold those habits just mm-hmm. like we're like how do you hold those habits but mm-hmm. you're right we are just whatever whatever is how things go for a while just becomes how things go exactly yeah and yeah. it's hard to escape yeah it takes such a conscious effort like it's uh it's one of those things that I feel like in the future when we can like modulate our like brain and stuff, mm-hmm. we're just going to have like a productivity module. Like we just like blank. And then now look, if you want to set your mind to doing something, you can do it. Like it's going to be yeah. like, I don't know, we're going to like somehow fuck with our neurochemistry. And so we're just going to get like a little dopamine hit whenever we like start something new or, you know, I don't know. We're going to change our, yeah. the way our brain works like that. I'm excited for the prospects of stuff like that, you know, like Neuralink and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of scary because I feel like it's going to I mean, how much of our like personality and character is drawn from how we decide and act mm. in our life, like how we go th- make decisions of how we're going to live. Mm. And if we have these things that you know, no, it's no longer like I need to make a conscious effort to quit smoking cigarettes. It's just I'm going to hit this button that will make me stop quit, craving, you know, yeah. and then what are we going to be losing with that? If we have that mm. kind of accessibility to educating ourselves like rapidly or alleviating or alleviating ourselves of habits, starting new ones, like just on a just the flick of a switch, you know? Yeah, no, it's I I. I honestly, I don't think we're going to be, if we lost long, like we're not going to be humans for mm-hmm. all of our, uh, you know, all of our, uh, like the rest we've, of life we've got. Like it's, I don't know. I, I, I remember having these like deep thoughts. I, after I read, um, um, Homo Deus, which is like the sec, the sequel to yeah. Sapiens yeah, yeah. and how he talked about like how, like if we live long enough, we're going to like solve famine solve plague solve war and then total like basically become like gods mm-hmm. and how like hey we're gonna like use ai and fuse with it and then i remember getting like super depressed because i'm like i realized like oh like we're not gonna be around like humans as you and i know them like aren't gonna be around forever but then i was like well like were chimps like depressed that like homo sapiens or homo erectus like took them over you know like it's just like the natural order of life it's just like what happens like there's a there's a group of people group of species that you know dominate for a while and then some event happens and then we move on like i it's a very hard thing because it's such like a long time scale Mm -hmm. so then i'm like why am i even worrying about it but then it's like is it gonna affect us that much yeah it's not gonna affect us immediately but it is i don't know it's kind of it's it's cool to think about because you want to think about the future of your species. It's like, 
I hope we're around for as long as we can be. But if we are around for as long as we can be, we're not going to stay in this form. No way. Yeah. I mean, it'd be so odd to witness if we were, if these new, like, kind of technological evolutions that couple with humanity, if they were to affect people at, um, like, the infant level, like, you had to do something to a fetus in order to, like, mm. pr- um, prime it to be this new human. We'll have these, like, gaps where older generations are, like, would be, like, the lame humans. Right. Be the, it'd be, like, Brave New World. Like, we're the, we're the lower tier um, clones, and there's, like, the alpha pluses that are right, right. dominating the world. And that's kind of scary because, you know, what you were saying with the animal kingdom, like, monkeys weren't looking around being like, why is this other thing that kind of looks like us doing better? Like, yeah, why yeah, are they getting yeah. bigger than us? Um, because they could still exist in their world with mm. the Homo sapiens and whatever coming out. I know we didn't come from monkeys, but we stemmed from the same thing. Sure. Um, so it's we with came from the world we live in now. And planted <laughs> yeah, the, uh, embryos yeah, yeah. in monkeys. The lizard people. Um, <laughs> but then you just, because the world we live in now, like, imagine if we just had that. Half the people or an eighth of the people in the world were this, like, superhuman, this smarter human, this more mm. high-functioning human, uh, things like that. What would, How would the divide work, right. you know? How would we, would we coexist or would there be some sort of, conflict between us yeah i mean judging by our how we treat each other now it's like that probably wouldn't end too well (laughs) you know we'd probably commit genocide and yeah a few politicians and sciences scientists become better humans and then they're Uh like look at all these fucking idiots get them out of here kill them we don't need them anymore yeah yeah they're not like us that'd be terrifying yeah i don't think I don't think in the next, I don't know, 50 years, we'll see anything like ridiculous mm-hmm. change in that realm. But, I mean, we could be surprised for totally. sure. Like we are saying, yeah, there's no way to know. It's like any guess that we put down right now yeah. is going to be wrong. It's like. I, beside, not like Neuralink kind of realm of stuff, like actually messing with our brains directly. But I see the um, like artificial intelligence as like a companion or like mm-hmm. personal analyst becoming a thing. Oh yeah, in the next uh, maybe decade even. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your phone's already kind of your virtual assistant. It it keeps everything safe for you. It connects you to everyone you know. It wakes you up. It tells you when to go to sleep. It's your calendar. Mm-hmm your calculator, your wallet for a lot of people. Um, so it's only a matter of time before that kind of integrates into some, like what Lex Friedman talks about a lot is designing this companion AI. Yeah. Like this assistant that- Like a her. Is, yeah, that's kind of in tune with you and can talk to you, can almost assist you with things. Like imagine being able to like get in your car after some stressful thing and you just go, fuck, and you hit your button and it goes, what's up, Matt? And mm-hmm. you go, ah, oh, man, a stressful day. And it's like, what happened? And you tell them about it. And they're like, well, maybe you should think about this and that. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I see that coming. And totally. I wonder how that'll change us because it's going to be, people might start to like disassociate the the voice in their head 
with that one. And so mm. they'll start kind of that will that AI companion or whatever is going to become their conscience or like their yeah. little Jiminy Cricket on their shoulder almost. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, yeah, going back to what you were saying, like how much of that is going to take away from like who we are? Like, are, yeah. are, are we going to become better because of that? Because we have some algorithm that's kind of like suggesting how we should act. I wonder because like we would... If you could roll it out for everybody at the exact same time and everybody had access to it if they wanted to, maybe it would produce a better world. Yeah. Maybe. But also maybe it would make you, uh, I don't know, like, would we be making mistakes? Like, mm -hmm. would we be risking th things as much as we do? Because that's like, again, like an innate part of our humanness, right? Again, it's just, I think it's just like as we get older, like or as life progresses, we're going to give up some of that humanness, like yeah. whatever we think it is. Now it's like it's going to change. It's going to become more influenced from tech. And and I mean, that's awesome. But I don't even want to say scary. It's It's ominous, but it's also kind of like promising. Like we're we've learned so much in the la the sent B um A D you know like to the year one zero, um mm. oh whoa you just changed your little box um whoa. we've learned so much and and we try to incorporate it we can't plug like modern science and everything into every single person it's hard to educate people but with this these technologies coming that are gonna be like these assistants or these. Um, kind of like, I don't know, like they process what's going on with you and like analyze it and try to make suggestions. Yeah. That, it's exciting because that could be, that might be like the marker of all the knowledge that we've derived from the last 2,000 years coming mm -hmm. together and actually playing out on someone because they don't have to know everything to have the information kind of like spoon fed to them through some sort of yeah interesting virtual thing hmm yeah it's like i guess it like lowers the barrier for education in some way like yeah yeah that's interesting would we become smarter as a whole yeah but it's like but then you're relying like we actually would become dumber because we're relying on this thing that's constantly relating information to us right like yeah would we even bother to like learn anything you know mm -hmm. like would we just, we just go off what it says yeah like because we're, we're even now i know like we've proven i don't know how but uh, there's definitely studies that show like our memories have gotten like worse because we yeah. are relying on this we're like i don't have to remember phone numbers or names of people or birthdays cause it's just no. shove it in here and then boom we're, we're good we don't have to fucking think about it ever again Mm -hmm. But then it's like, oh, like, I think what it what it was was like, oh, knowledge used to be very specialized, right? Like you, yeah. if you were privileged enough to like be able to read, you would probably read like so one kind of thing, like whatever. It used to be like only the priests could, could read and write, right? So like mm -hmm. that was their area of expertise. And then slowly it's like printing press happens and then we can sort of like, like widen that kind of breadth of knowledge and now it feels like we're the average person has like a lot of knowledge but all very shallow 
things you know yeah whereas like we're unless you're an academic you're not really delving into a subject like to really under fully Fully, understand things you know so i wonder if that's just going to be the trend it's just we're going to get wider with our breath and this more shallow with our understanding that's an interesting way to think of it the shallowness of it Mm because a lot of kids nowadays you know with go into a class on zoom and stuff they feel like geniuses because they have google at their disposal 24 right. 7 for school and they're like i'm i'm i don't need to read the textbook because i ha- i can just look it up right but you're right it's kind of um it's wider they have way more knowledge like ripe and ready for them to grab because they just have to search it but it's shallow because it's not actually the the academic literature it's just exactly it's just uh, regurgitated facts and numbers, figures, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what like, I think. What it's, y- yeah, it's shifted towards just that regurgitation. And you wonder if that's. I mean, they should do some sort of. I mean, I don't know how you'd study something like this, but looking into if. I mean, how can you really gauge like the intelligence of people though? That's the yeah, thing. I mean, I IQ, know. yeah, but not really. Yeah. Um, and so you wonder if like are the kids nowadays dumber because they they know more but it's not valuable information and they're not mm. going to remember it if you took them away from a computer for a month. Right. And then with that being said, if we keep moving forward and have these little AIs or like brain enhancements helping us, are we going to get stupider too? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I Yeah, like you said, it's hard to measure, but I feel like our reliance on them will grow. Right. Yeah. That that's gonna be the, the the main takeaway. It's like before right, oh, we we didn't have anything to rely on. We just had our brain. So we had mm. to store information that was like necessary. I guess it's just like what knowledge like what knowledge becomes important to know and what knowledge becomes unimportant, right? Like now yeah. it's like that all the knowledge we had of like our environment and the animals and the plants that that would kill us and plants we could eat it was so valuable uh, you know 50,000 years ago but now it kind of means nothing you know so it's like maybe that's just what's also going to happen it's just like what we deem as important or like necessary is just going to shift completely into something else yeah Ugh. who knows yeah. though <laughs> yeah. that's just we're gonna we'll end up in the world's gonna change. We're yeah. gonna have we're all gonna be enslaved by our AI assistants <laughs> yeah. and we're we're gonna be working for them building new pyramids out of metal and that's that's dark. life, baby. <laughs> that's what we're working towards. Yeah. Sam, can I take a piss real quick? Yeah, yeah. Can you sure. you can edit it out? Or I can bring you in there if you want. <laughs> yeah. I'll take a like, piss too. I'll be like one second. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care. I just, it's kind of, it's nice to change it up. Just mm-hmm. eat a lot of meat and cauliflower. Nice. Your broccoli slaw? I haven't had the broccoli slaw. I got onto mashed cauliflower like real hard for like mashed? a month. Yeah. You never like had you boil it up, and boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Type Bo- thing? Boil it up real soft, throw it in the blender with um, <laughs> a little, little bit of almond milk, onion powder, garlic, salt. Maybe a little bone broth if you're feeling adventurous. Wow. Um, blend it up, and then it comes out like mashed potatoes, man. And it's, wow. It's not, it's not bad. That sounds good. Yeah, you, you give, give it a try. I mean, I like it because I'm a I glutton. I don't get cauliflower often at all. Mm. I like it because I'm a glutton, and I like to eat a lot. So mm. if I, I can make like 
a liter of it and it's <laughs> it's like 500 calories it's a liter <laughs> but of if it. you ate if you had that many mashed potatoes <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd be having a real time. That'd be like two thousand calories. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I wanted. I don't mean to pull us away from talking about uh, robots taking mm. over. Um, <laughs> no worries. But no, I, I wanted yeah. to ask you. I think I heard last time on your when you were with Riley that you were doing a uh, sober November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this is it still going, dude? Yeah, still going. I dude, I'm having the most the weirdest dreams, man. Like. I last night I had a dream that I was in the car with one other friend and my friend Tyler I used to work with at the mm-hmm. pool was driving the Pontiac and he was driving like ridiculously fast and I don't remember the but all I, uh, the last thing I remember was we were just like ran into like an oncoming bus and I, and then like it shifted and then like the the view was like us just like flipping through the air and like I got like this external perspective of us crashing and I don't remember what happened after that, but it was just like, I don't know. It was like traumatic. I, I woke up in the middle of the night, like, Oh my God, like, am I alive? Like, uh, did I just die? Like, <laughs> it yeah. was so confusing. But, it just um, was very, it was convincing. It was so convincing. Yeah. It's that, like that, uh, that REM sleep kicking back. Yeah, yeah. no, it's dude, it's been, um, it's been easy. Like it hasn't been difficult. It's been like the moments of boredom of, end of the week i got nothing mm-hmm. else to do or like i'm on a podcast and i kind of like want to make it interesting and i'm like oh let's fucking. yeah but then i'm like eh. it it just shows to me like when it's kind of like a mindfulness exercise it's like when mm-hmm. my brain decides that this form of consciousness isn't fun anymore and wants to just change it up yeah. um it's definitely helped to have my whole house doing it yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Would make it much more difficult. Yeah, yeah. If like it was just me, then that would suck. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I've been more. My sleep's been better. I think my sleep's yeah. been better. I would. I, yeah, I think a lot of people think that weed is responsible for their sleep, and mm-hmm. that it's like the most positive thing for it. Yeah, but that might just be like a habit-related thing mm-hmm. if they're used to going to sleep high. Because I feel like the quality of sleep is better when you're sober. Yeah. I just it find, seems... like, I'm not... Well, yeah, like, I was never too groggy waking up, but I would, like, wake up a few times in the middle of the night, and I don't really do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Yeah, I don't feel... Like, I have that, like, you know, that that weed anxiety comes? Like, I, yeah. I never... I don't have that anymore. Like, I feel like there's positive to it. I think I'll probably reserve it. I've been smoking much less. Like I don't really smoke by myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm too cool. Sorry. Too cool. School. What? Too cool to smoke by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I got too many friends. Dude. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just I feel like it's. Uh, I have a better time when I'm doing it socially, or I'm doing it with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like my friends. Uh, Sarov and I will like smoke and rap like that's yeah. like the funnest shit ever yeah or like uh, smoking like I don't know I just like want to do something I don't want to just smoke and just yeah like, socialize smoke. and have some fun you know do something that's not work related or yeah yeah just exactly lounging yeah and that's what it's kind of yeah. like showing me and then the alcohol thing it's literally like I don't know, I want to say really I could take or leave alcohol man like I I think it's cool for the like social lubricant aspect of it and I definitely haven't been 
like obviously we're kind of locked down anyway well yeah. not yeah we're a little bit more locked down now um but we would at least be like seeing like one or two friends and we haven't really been doing that because we're not drinking mm. um so that's kind of one thing i do miss is just like it's just a reason to socialize it's like hey let's go have a drink or let's you know um yeah. let's come and drink at my place or I, I kind of miss it when I miss it on the weekends when I'm like watching a sporting event, like a fight or like a soccer game. And I just want to like relax with a beer. Um, but that's like the only thing I miss really. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't, you don't strike me as someone that would be like, I'm just dying without <laughs> alcohol. I cannot, my life is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the weed. I mean, I know you're a casual smoker. So yeah. I mean, that's the thing though with weed is it's, I it never feels like an identity in any way, shape, or form. It feels like it could it could come or go, and mm-hmm. you'd be the same person, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think I haven't taken a substantial break in recent history, um, but you know maybe I maybe I will. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll take take a cue from you, and uh, give try it, it out. Shot. Like you'll, yeah, like the. The cravings, I don't know. I don't really, like I said, it's only out of boredom that I notice the craving of yeah. weed. I don't, I don't even really feel it. that when I smoke every day, I I don't feel like I ever find myself being like, I need the weed now. Mm-hmm. It feels more just like, you know, it's late. I'm ready to uh, get Unwind. silly for 45 yeah. minutes and then fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Like, I think it's just like what it is to you and what it becomes and what it does to your mind. Like, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, as long as it's healthy and as long as you're having fun. Like that's the that's kind of what I'm what I've realized. It's just like have as long as I'm having fun with it, it I don't think it's detrimental at all. Yeah. Yeah. The not smoking by yourself thing. Mm-hmm. Some I I'm not too big of an advocate of solo stoning. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we were when we were young, that was so looked down upon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, you did it without us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I feel like as we got older, like when I was um, commuting to San Jose State, the solo stone was like the only way to go. Yeah. Because it was just such a lonely life. Yeah. But yeah. now that I think back to it, I wonder if like those evenings could have been exactly the same without it. Just. And maybe even go take that time to sit outside for 15 minutes without anything mm-hmm. just to kind of unwind, probably do the same thing. It would, man. Like, it, honestly, like, it's you don't have the same fun thoughts as easily. Like, I can work mm-hmm. myself up into a mind state like that with weed where I'm like creative and silly and weird. But it mm-hmm. takes a little bit more like coaxing myself or I have to do something yeah. else to kind of like distract my thinking brain and then use it to kind of like, yeah, and then trying to get into like the weirdness. Um, but that's also what I'm kind of realizing, too, is like I can actually I can access those states without anything like I yeah. you just have to kind of like you learn your mind and you learn like, okay, this is the train I use to like get kind of like excited and silly and like manic. Yeah. And then this Start is the train I use to like dogs. chill and unwind and, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're probably going to go straight back into it once I, uh, once November is <laughs> over, but, uh, why, why not? You got to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was saying to my roommate, Caleb, I was like, 
he's like, yeah, it's been kind of cool. Like, we, we're also saving, like, a bunch of money. Like, we're not buying booze every weekend. I'm mm. like, yeah, but that defeats the purpose if we all spend, like, 200 bucks <laughs> on, like, the weekend after we end November. Yeah, and and just going to cash out on just it. Cash the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, How but many people are you good. living with right now? Uh, so, total five normally, mm-hmm. five other people. But um, one of my roommates is actually back in the States. He's American. Yeah. Um, but he's a student, so he can like pretty easily come back. They're like allowing you to come back and forth if you're a student. Um, so yeah, four currently. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you prefer living? Or I guess you probably haven't lived on out of the house by yourself at all. No, I've never lived like with just myself. Uh, I mean, other yeah. than like roommate first year with just me yeah. and him. Yeah, but yeah, I've always been in like shared houses with like at least three up three other people, mm-hmm. which is. Do you, do you I like. It? I mean, I like it for, I like it for pandemic times. Obviously, oh, we can like step on each other's toes sometimes and get like. Yeah. You know, sometimes like, I'm just not in the same vibe as my roommates, or they're not in the same vibe as me, mm-hmm. and so then I'm just like, all right, I'm just gonna like take it chill. But it's been good because we kind of like learned when. Overall, though, we have like a great dynamic, and like yeah, we usually start to we're read in sync. Each other. Sorry, yeah. start to read each other after exactly, time. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, no, it's been it's been really nice, honestly, having like just at least like two friends to just like kick it with and be yeah. stupid with, go crazy. Yeah, the, so- the social aspect's nice. Yeah, it's sometimes I feel like you got to toe that line between are we it like a responsibility to hang out or. Mm you know chat versus just being able to do your thing and kind of shut your roommate or your housemates out mm-hmm. yeah we're, I, we're we've gotten good at that like in the beginning yeah. it was maybe harder but um yeah through the pandemic we just realized like yeah we like people need their own space mm. at times you know i'm pretty good at that i usually just like fuck off i go for a walk or like cafes are still open i'll just go to like a cafe and just sit for a while and just walk around, Lucky honestly. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always found like living with a bunch of roommates, the fun aspect is great compared mm-hmm. to living alone. You know, you always have that option of if they're doing something, you can go hop in, or if you like just want to go chill or chat, you can ask, so- knock on a door and say what's yeah. up. But I found myself like the t- two sides of that is I hated when people would bother me. Being, yeah. Like, you wanna- <laughs> You want to come out and watch a movie? I'd be like, fuck no. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm like in the middle of something. Or like I would get like overly stressed out about the kitchen not being available. I remember. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be, especially when you have a busy day and it's like, oh, class is done or something. I have 30 minutes to stop home, eat and leave to rehearsal or whatever. And I remember being so stressed out, like walking home, being like, I hope no one's in the kitchen. I hope no one's in the <laughs> yeah, kitchen. Yeah. If someone's in the kitchen, I'm going to scream. Or like sending texts, being like, I have to cook now, uh, everyone out, kind of shit like that. And then totally. you get there and someone's there and you're like, fuck. And then you're just like, I guess it's a peanut butter sandwich. Um, definitely not. I think a lot of people don't worry about that, but. Me personally, I was always just like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, we yeah. have a like this weird like. I don't mind. It's it kind of depends. It's kind of weird. It depends who's in the kitchen. If it's mm-hmm. like 
so yeah so to my roommates i don't care about cooking with alongside them if it's other ones then i'll like stay out of their way just because yeah the vibe is not good but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? i don't they'll start bothering you or just trying to chat you up too much yeah yeah i i, I remember when i was in london studying abroad we had um it was like flat so you just had a room with a shower and then like there was one giant kitchen at the end of the hall and it was like uh-huh. 16 flats that connected to that kitchen um and cooking in there was there was always people around yeah. either just chilling in the, at the table or doing something and man there was some people there that you did not want to walk into that conversation <laughs> i i had a, i might i may have told you before but there was this one girl. She was an exchange student from somewhere in China. I don't. It was one of the big cities, but she wanted to do theater. She was an actress and stuff. And the first time I met her, I was like, oh, she seems pretty normal. And then one day I'm just cooking. I think I had some ground beef, some mints, I guess, in London, <laughs> as they'd call it. I'm just cooking the mints. And she just goes, Matthew, what kind of porn do you watch? <laughs> and I just... <laughs> Up to that, the most we've talked about was like theater. And she just goes, what kind of porn do you watch? And I just tar- I'm just i like sitting there, and in my head I'm like, did she really ask me that? And then the bigger problem was like, do I really tell her what yeah, kind? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I didn't know. I mean, I don't watch. I didn't have never watched like intense porn. Weird porn, yeah. So I remember turning around and just being like, that's an interesting question. I was like, <laughs> and I think I said, I think I tried to take some like holier than thou uh, thing and be like, I don't watch porn. I have a girlfriend, uh, and <laughs> and we make our own or something. Like that. <laughs> but she asked some other questions like that too, just ra- random times, just like that, just making your meat, making your eggs, and this chick comes in and goes, Matthew. She always uses your name too, which is yeah. That's that full name. Know? That's always kind of weird. Yeah, like when someone goes like Sam, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're like, oh. um, it's just like Matthew, what are your thoughts on an open relationship? And I'm just like sitting there, like <laughs> I, I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I don't have thoughts on an open relationship. And she, that happened once a week, maybe uh-huh. some sort of question in that realm. Yeah, and it was uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just not something you want to hear while you're uh, cooking. It's like uncomfortable. Let me but, deal I mean, with this a, broccoli slaw. Let me match situ- this cauliflower real quick. <laughs> I, I think I was eating a lot of oats back then. Oh right. I think I talked oats about the medley. oats last. The goulash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the goulash. <laughs> the American goulash. <laughs> I won't bring that up again. Yeah, dude. Oh, I, I wanted to ask, how was your? Because uh, we kind of bashed it the first interview. How was oh, your gosh. Zoom play, dude? <laughs> I we were that day we did the podcast. I was going off saying something. I was like, people are doing Zoom plays. This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's a waste of time. Yeah. And then like literally two days later, the theater I work at a lot sends me an email. They're like, we're doing a Zoom play. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be in it? <laughs> it was like, in my head, part of me is like, I got to tell Sam to delete that. Um, they can't They can't know I'm not for this. Um, but that being said, first off, I'll preface, final product came out pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd give a lot of that credit to the editing because they really tied it together and made best of what they can with a bunch of webcams and stuff yeah. like that. But on a more personal level 
Christ, it was more, you know, doing like a shitty indie film, like some of the stuff I've done, or like just like a short film, like a 10 page script where you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting $100 for a 12 hour day kind of shit like that. Damn. You know, you roll up and you don't ever rehearse. You haven't gone over the lines with the director, and they kind of just expect you to know them and just take a stab at the scene. And if they, you do it three times and one of them is going to be okay. Uh-huh. You know, you don't get to, like, actually feel like you've worked on something. It's more like you just come up, say your lines, and you're out. Right. And that's that's kind of soul-sucking sometimes because you're like, I didn't even make a connection with my mm. the other actor in the scene or the other actress. I didn't, I had to kiss them, but I don't, we didn't, like, sort out the relationship of our characters or anything like that. We just kind of played pretend. Mm. And you drive home and you feel like, ah, oh, that was kind of kind of lame. This Zoom play was like that on another level because you're like recording lines and scenes and stuff and you're not even seeing the other characters yeah you're just like talking to your webcam yeah straight straight to the camera you can't even look at like the box they're in on your screen huh and so it was weird because it was a lot like that you know there wasn't much rehearsal and it was just all right we're filming it today um let's go for it three takes and it's over kind of thing wow but I'm happy that they're trying their best to make things happen. And, you know, the response was pretty good. People seemed to like it. The reviews were all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the same, man. No. It's not the same. I, mi- I miss live theater so much. I think I was talking yeah. about this last time. But, like, you know, it's an underappreciated thing, live performance in a lot of capacities. Um, mm-hmm. More like intimate live performance, like small concerts, uh even just like going to an open mic is kind of the same quality. Um, those experiences, man, they're people, some people never even got the chance to realize they like them. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people aren't, after all this is, has passed, aren't going to be too interested in it. Mm. Be like, oh, the theaters are open again. Or like, oh, that cafe that does uh, live music is opening. And people be like, ah, just stay home. Mm. I got, I got it all. I got everything on the TV. Right. Um, but I miss that live aspect of it. I the hope Zoom. not, man. I hope the response will be, fuck that. I've been watching this for shit for the last eight months. Like, let me get out of my fucking house. Like, I, for get, everybody's get sake. fresh. Yeah. yeah. I hope. But we'll see, man. It's just, we still have no no idea. When, yeah, I, I mean, the vaccines are coming, supposedly. Apparently, um, yeah. But who knows when we'll see them. We'll yeah. We'll have them around. Um. But life goes on. Zoom plays are a thing now. Like yeah. Big, big theaters are doing productions. One thing that pissed me off is that my college is doing like a live in-person play. Oh, wow. Yeah, I see all these photos where they're at rehearsal with masks on and stuff. I think they might be filming it um, and huh. then putting it out. But I feel like why couldn't professional theaters do something like that rather than trying to do a Zoom play where... Right. Quality yeah. control is so difficult because everyone's webcam's different. And, you know, another thing, like, in cinema, it's, you don't, you know, like, how different lenses have different focal lengths, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like, wider lenses, tighter lenses, you know? Sure. When you're shooting a close-up on someone, you're on a real tight lens. It, mm-hmm. it crunches the background to really make your character the main thing. Right. But with the or you have a wide shot because you want to establish a setting or something like that. Um, 
but these zoom things it's all just from a webcam which is a kind of weird like crunchy wide angle that Mm -hmm. isn't very compelling it's not very cinematic right and so i feel like trying to work off that is just kind of it loses some of that quality of the performance. Yeah, it kind of you uh, know, hinders you. It like puts you in a very small range of what you can do. Yeah, and I feel like they could theaters could be doing something where they're at least getting a small cast and crew together, following COVID guidelines, and For shooting sure. the a production and then putting it online. Yeah, with like a multi-cam kind of angles and stuff like that, but. Apparently, the schools are allowed to do it. That's people so can weird. Still, people can still learn and accurately like try to become an actor like in training, but then they're, if they gra- if a kid, kid does his play at San Jose State, the um, COVID style, but he still gets to act on the stage, and then he graduates into COVID world, there's nothing like that going on. That's so It's kind of interesting yeah. that the, the institutions that are allowed to get away with that kind of format Mm. while professional venues can't really do that. Yeah, whack. That's super whack. Yeah. Dan, would you do another one? Like another Zoom yeah. play? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, would, I definitely would. I mean, it's a new thing to explore, I guess. It's not. It sucks because it's not one of those things where you're like, oh, like the times of, like, you know, when film became a thing, like stage actors were like, oh, this is the new thing. Like, yeah. I want to be on the screen. Right. I want to be that. I want to like adapt to that. But I don't feel like there's a movement of actors. You're not like, like I want to be a Zoom actor. Yeah. Yeah. There's not people being like I want to master the art of the Zoom acting. Right. How to live? How to live in this box? <laughs> in like how box. to? Yeah. yeah. Like use it to my advantage. <laughs> like oh, you know. And I feel like that's that's probably. I hope it'll be an art that dies with COVID. Mm-hmm. That Zoom productions don't continue, but. I can appreciate the effort from theaters trying to provide to yeah, their Yeah, that they're doing something. Yeah, because a lot of theaters are, are kept up and running by their their patrons, the people yeah. that come all the time, a lot of older folks. Yeah. So trying to provide something to them is a kind thing to do. And For a, sure. A respectable thing to do except i worry some old people don't know how to access like online shit Zoom. so they're yeah. not they're like how do i watch the play yeah, yeah how do yeah. i stream the play yeah <laughs> trying to figure it out but yeah like you said at least they're they're offering something and it's cool yeah. that you can still get to kind of practice even though it's like a fucked up way of yeah. doing your thing at least you kind of uh get to embody some part of your your passion yeah something yeah yeah. As fake as it feels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's already weird being on set, you know, and you get over it pretty fast. But like, you're you're in the scene, and it looks cool, like behind you. But the other side, you use the camera and the lights and stuff. So mm. it's like you always kind of have to like split your vision. So you're like, this is the reality of my character. This is what I need to like. I I mean, you don't ignore all the technical stuff because you have to be you have to work towards the camera and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you are able to shut it off and like sit into whatever you're doing. But like with this Zoom play, you're just there's no setting. There's Mm -hmm. no there's no art department or anything like that. It's just the the room you're in and you got to just make it all up, which is kind of interesting, but Mm. odd. A new challenge, I guess. Yeah. But hopefully, like you said, one that doesn't last very long. (laughs) 
I'd hope. Yeah. I thought about it one time. One day I was sitting here in the middle of the summer, and I was like, maybe I need to make a Zoom thing. Maybe uh-huh. I need to make a Zoom movie. Yeah. And then I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Netflix is probably already doing it. Um, yeah. And they have a bigger budget. Probably. Watch, there's going to be movies that come out after COVID, like shot in the style of Zoom. <laughs> that co- yeah. They're using like real ass cameras to film it and stuff, though. And it's going to look like it was shot on Zoom, <laughs> but have been done with like $10,000 cameras yeah. and like a $5 million budget. <laughs> Holy shit. Maybe. Who knows? That's the new frontier. We'll see. Dude, there's I'm excited. There's going to probably be a whole host of media that comes out of this and like, mm-hmm. you know. To, like content wise and all that but also like yeah technology i'm i'm excited for the post covid era i feel like it'll be interesting there may be some sort of renaissance aspect to it totally um or it could just be it could just stay the same you know yeah. the vaccine stuff might come out but maybe people are like their concerns around their immune systems are just gonna persist and we're gonna live in masks and be sanitizing all the time. Uh, I hope I hope not. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be phone, wallet, keys anymore. It's going to be phone, wallet, keys, mask, yeah. sanitizer, respirator, like hands up tight. Yeah, respirator, <laughs> iron lung. <laughs> yeah. I hope not, man. I hope, uh, fuck. I hope that we just return to. A resemblance of normal life. I think people are fucking sick of living like this already, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, as it goes further along, we're just, like we were saying earlier, just you got to shift it from suffering to finding some sort of. Finding the joy in the suffering. Silver line, not even a silver lining, just making joy out of it, however the suffering you suffering fun, yeah, somehow. Yeah, just... jokes or just new traditions or habits. That's one of the big things that I'm. I wish I was like fat going into quarantine and stuff. So you I had like a project? Fucking, yeah, I would have lost hella weight. Uh-huh. <laughs> but instead, I'm just like already Maybe we could do the fit. opposite. You want to just like gain like 60 pounds with me? and? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's let's bulk up real yeah. unhealthily. No, because when, when quarantine first started, I was like already in pretty good shape. And at that point, I was like, I'm thinking about, you know, trying to up the weights and eat a bit more, get a little bigger. And then it starts in the gym's clothes. I'm like, this is unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will not get bigger and stronger if I can't actually lift weights. Lift weight, yeah. Like I can't do calisthenics and expect to become like a strong man. <laughs> um, so it's like kind of, I've just been at a deadlock where I'm like, I just got to try to maintain my level of what fitness you got. and physique yeah. for now until yeah. the gym's open. And they've opened and closed two times now. Fuck. Are yeah. they closed now? Yeah, again. Fuck. You know, I that I went to the gym and I saw that the sign was there and I was like, "Fuck!" And I sat in my car for like twenty minutes trying to make this like PSA thing, <laughs> where I was gonna like you know bitch out people on Instagram. Um, but I ended up not doing it because I just didn't want to be divisive or someone to tell me like to check my facts or something like that. Uh-huh. But I was just thinking about it and shit just keeps getting worse because I feel like every time something opens up I mean I know it's probably not as bad up in uh, BC yeah but um, every time something opens up like in California people just seem to like swarm it and like Mm. they're like yes back to normal we can go because like for example the boardwalk opened up and like the first weekend I mean it's been open but like rides opened up 
So the oh, first shit. weekend, a bunch of people showed up to ride the rides, and then the next week, we're back to it was closed. Everything again. closed again because people are so eager to jump on things like, "Oh, the bars are open. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going to the fucking bar. I'm yeah, get yeah. a drink with my friends. Right. And I get the excitement that things are. They feel like they're coming back to normal. Yeah. But these like lifting of restrictions people start to associate them with progress towards like this being over over yeah but it that's not really what they are right. it feels more like they're just like a tease to keep us under the wraps until things can actually we can really pull the band-aid off totally yeah it's fucking dumb people <laughs> our age Sam. people are idiots it's our, it's our friends that are just going, I can't get coronavirus. I think I already had it. And then <laughs> yeah, they just Everybody go out. says that, dude. Yeah, dude, All no. Right. It, I already it, had trust it. Me. Uh, it. Trust me. Were you tested? No. I already had it, though. <laughs> yeah, trust me, dude. I had a crazy fever and, like, the chills. And my grandma died, so <laughs> I probably gave it to her. <laughs> probably gave it to her, yeah. I want to hear someone say that. They're like, I know I had it. Like, Did you get a test? No. They're like, I didn't get a test, but I got my grandma sick and she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, you're good. You did have it, probably. Holy shit. My sister got it. She's got the COVID. Yeah, yeah she's all right. She, yeah, she's, I mean, most people are. Yeah, yeah. She like got, um. she was sick for like two days. Which which sister? Anna. Which Is she out of the house? She was in New York, and now she's back home. Uh, okay. She literally got the call as soon as she landed that... She well, she got tested a lot because she lives in the dorms in Syracuse, mm-hmm. and uh, they would test them in like pools of people. And she got this call saying like her pool test came back positive, so that just meant like someone in that group was positive, and that yeah. she needed to get a test right away. And then it turned out the week before, for like two days, she said she felt like for one day she felt like kind of sick, like had a fever. For like half a day and then the next day just kind of felt like meh and then it got better um but then yeah she got this call saying like get an individual test immediately she gets the test she's positive and then so like my brother is now living with his girlfriend's family (laughs) for the next Mm. like 10 days or something week um and then my dad and mom are like literally like quarantining her so like if she eats she has to like stay with her room or like stay And she can't, but she can't smell or taste anything still, which God is damn. crazy. That would be, that'd be the worst part for me. That's what she said. She's like, I come home for fucking Thanksgiving and I can't taste or eat or taste or smell jack shit. Like she, she has to put sriracha on everything because she can't taste yeah, it. Yeah. Just to spice it up. Yeah. <laughs> just but, take advantage. Yeah. Just eat a bunch of, well, you guys like Vegemite. <laughs> Marmite or whatever it is. Marmite. She did send me this video of her eating just a raw onion. She just like munching on a raw onion, just like unfazed completely. Some people have sensitive taste buds. I can <laughs> eat about anything without yeah. batting an eye. Dude, I've somehow adapted the skill where I can eat a ball of wasabi. <laughs> like the whole, the whole, you know, like when you buy a prepackaged sushi from a grocery store? Yeah, yeah. I, and it comes with a ball of wasabi uh-huh. and then some ginger and soy sauce. I can eat that wasabi <laughs> straight up. I can eat the whole thing. I'm, Why? <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's difficult. Um, <laughs> you kind of. You almost. You uh, the wasabi reaches its limit when you do that. Uh, you go. Oh. Oh. 
you start to cry for a second and your nose kind of like feels like someone's blowing hot air in it. Uh-huh. But then you go, oh, oh, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goes away real I've, quick. I've been saying it for a while. And maybe this wasn't my idea. I don't even know. But wasabi is not, in my opinion, it's not spicy. Right. It's more of like a strong like mintiness right like it's like a burning not, sensation I, for like a little bit yeah like not the in sensation your sinuses, like, though not like actually mint you know like winter fresh or whatever like that but like it's kind of the same mm-hmm. kind of Essence. burn as like as like yeah. a for more like a fermented thing i feel like than a uh than like a pepper yeah which i don't like scoville or whatever that shit is uh-huh yeah 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 like the hotness yeah it's different yeah definitely not like the same as a spicy chili or something like that yeah yeah but i can eat a whole ball of it i'm pretty i'm <laughs> shit, proud dude. of it that on your resume add, i'm adding it to the party trick list i got this the wu-tang the spaghetti through the nose out the mouth oh um, shit you could do that yeah <laughs> i can crack my nose um you want to hear i can too i can oh yours does it consistently <laughs> yeah I think I let me see. I'll do it right in the mic. You might not hear it, but we'll pick it up in post. Oh, you hear that? Wow. I, yeah, I got it good on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my that's one of the tricks. Crack the neck. Uh, I don't know. I don't have too many tricks. Yeah, that's like a that's a good amount. Four four party yeah. tricks. You can't have too spaghetti, many. Spaghetti through the nose. <laughs> that is a like bring you home, meet the parents kind of move. <laughs> You gotta see what he could do. I met him at a party. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this guy. He's my guru. He's my homie. And he's a magician. He's a life coach. But he's right. When I first met Kaya's grandparents, I did that because we had spaghetti one night. And for some reason, I was like, I'm gonna show them this. And if they enjoy it, they'll probably love me forever. Oh, dude, that's so fucking. Ish. I don't know. You can really pull it in like a little floss. <laughs> Ew. Oh, it starts to get mucusy. Oh, good lord. Yeah. <laughs> better better than a sinus rinse, bro. Is it? <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm waiting for the day where I get a small piece of it stuck. I was gonna say, like, yeah, if you get some like, strange infection, like we've never seen this before. It's spaghettification. Magnificus or something, and you just get a little piece of it, like it's just ingrained. like a rotting piece of spaghetti in my <laughs> yeah. sinus somewhere. Yeah, and it's growing into something. <laughs> Jesus, oh my god. <laughs> well, Matthew, on that yes. on that note, <laughs> do you want to um, close us out with a little a little closing remark, a word, a phrase, uh, whatever? Yeah, yeah, a little a little final word for a little tidbit Sam, for the listeners I'm trying to. Don't want to say anything too currently relevant. You know, I yeah. want I want some information that's going to help uh, a future listener who uh-huh. digs this up out of the archives <laughs> when he's and hooked so, up to his fucking like Siri three point nine seven and not even a human anymore. And yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not he's part he's he broke free from the robots yeah. and he found this. What an unfortunate. If you could find one piece of media where you're trying to save yourself from being controlled by robots, this would be the worst thing to find. 
<laughs> or it'd be the best because we like kind of like regurgitated some philosophy. Yeah. So maybe they'd be uh He'll find meaning in that. Bit. But I guess what I'll say is life is always changing and so are you. So every day you should look in the mirror and hope that you're a little better than yesterday. And if you're not better, you should at least know why. Ooh. Yeah. I think that's what I want to say. That progress and like success is important, but failure is too, if you're willing to look at it mm. and reflect on it. Beautiful. And that's just for one person out there that really needs that right now. Mm-hmm. Or in 50 years. <laughs> After the ro- <laughs> robot takeover. Yeah, the Ronabots. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, let's, uh, you want to stop this recording? Yeah, let's do it. All right, peace out, people.